Welcome back to Primetime Kansas City. On today's episode, we're going to break down Conference Championship Sunday and, of course, preview Super Bowl 58. The Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl for the fourth time in the past five years. Still kind of doesn't feel real. Still trying to process it. It really honestly makes no sense how this team found a way to make it. But we'll break all of that down, uh, get into some other stuff in the sports world as we are now winding down the NFL season. But uh, guys, we are about, what, as we're recording this, nine days removed from the Super Bowl. Uh, how do we feel? How, how does it feel to be back? Nervous yet? How are we feeling? Josh, go ahead, buddy. Um, I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. I was eating. I was muted, yes. and John muted. Anyway, good job, anyway, good job, John. I, I'm thinking the way I'm going in the Super Bowl is the fact that we made it. I'm calling this year success. I would love to win, and I think we might be able to win. The fact that we were able to make it to the Super Bowl really shows something about the scene that there's actually a chance. If we go up against any team, we have a chance. I mean, we literally went up against the Ravens, who killed the 49ers, and we dominated them on the defensive side, which no one's been able to do all year. With that being said, I'm just very proud of this team. The fact that we made it, it's pretty insane. So, yeah, it's still kind of hard to like, like understand that we're in the Super Bowl, kind of like what you were saying, Jackson. Uh, you know, I think it was hard to understand, really, I think until after the Dolphins game, I would say this is a shocker, but I think since then I've been, I've been pretty confident in the Chiefs and I, I, I am, I will say it is very crazy when you mentally revisit, not just what we saw on the Christmas day game, but what we felt that was, I mean, I saw people talking about, you know, it's officially draft season. Uh, stuff like that, you know. And, I mean, I that was the moment for me. Obviously, we had a little bit of a dichotomy here. Josh saying we need to give up on the Chiefs and Jackson coming around to that. And that was the moment for me where I was like, okay, ooh, maybe it is a big problem. But it turns out it wasn't. And honestly, man, at this point in time, I really think, like, a, a loss of the Super Bowl would be devastating. I disagree with Josh that this is just, like, a, I'm happy to be here type thing. Um, Don't get me wrong. I I would love to see us win the Super Bowl, but, but I'm just saying, no one expected us to make it, and that just shows you like how good. Yeah, but I'm saying we should expect us to make it. Like, I think, oh, I think we kind of took the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs for granted, and when you consider that this is really the first time we've had a truly, truly elite defense. Um, and look, I I'm extremely happy with where we've come. I agree with everything you said, Josh. That to to beat the Ravens the way we did. Um, which is not something anyone expected. Look, I mean, if you watched a minute of ESPN or any, you know, daytime talk football show, you would be very hard-pressed to find someone saying the Chiefs were going to win that game. Um, and they definitely had to change their tune here. But what I'm just saying is I am extremely excited. I think this is one of the, on the low, better Chiefs teams we've seen, even though we presumed it to be the worst. Um and I, I really like our chances heading into this Super Bowl. I think it's a favorable matchup. Um, so I've just been enjoying the week, um, getting getting to get back and, you know, kick my feet up. But as we're getting there, man, I am, I am really locked in on this one because I think it is a great golden opportunity to get a ring that really no one thought the Chiefs would get. 
before you say something, Jackson, I, I kind of want to go off what John said. I've just been excited and, like, happy this whole week. And that's kind of what it's, like, what it's been as a super – being to the Super Bowl the past three out of, what, four years or whatever. I've realized the first week is an excitement week. The second week, that's when the nerves start kicking in. It's like, oh, shit, okay, we're in the Super Bowl. Like, none of us want to go through what happened when we lost to the Bucks, 31-9. to Nobody wants to go through that. And to be honest, the 49ers have, don't have something that we have. And his name is Patrick fucking Mahomes. And we'll get into it later. But if you have him, you're looking really fucking good. Yep. Jackson? Yeah, I mean, I think this year is just a uh, clarification that you should never doubt the team with the best player in football. And I, I think all three of us made that cardinal sin this year. Uh, me and yep. Josh a little earlier than you, uh, but I still definitely did. Yeah, I mean, look, I, it's hard to look like you said. It's hard to look at that team that lost to the Raiders. Um, you know, that really struggled in December. Really struggled after the bye week. Uh, it's hard to look at that team and be like, yeah, they're going to make the Super Bowl. They're they're going to win the AFC. They're going to find a way to do it anyway. But I think. The reason they're able to do it isn't because of necessarily anything that they added. It's because they took the scrubs off the field. Getting rid of Tony and Sky Moore, look, it sounds harsh, but it has genuinely just done wonders for this offense. The biggest thing with those two is they were just, we were moving the ball. It was never going three and out. You know, the Raiders game on Christmas Day that one was a little that one was maybe the exception where they couldn't really get anything going but it was never like oh we're going three and out we we can't move the ball it was we pick up multiple first downs and then tony drops an easy pass or sky moore runs the wrong route or jawan taylor gets a holding penalty and i think we said it on this podcast before but it was really addition by subtraction uh once tony and sky moore left the lineup and you know, I don't know if they're going to be back for the Super Bowl. I, I just genuinely hope not, but, you know, who knows. Uh, but I, I really just do think, like, the Chiefs really didn't have to add anything. They just had to stop playing the guys who were killing them. Just stop, stop playing those guys who were literally just shooting themselves in the foot. Um, and, yeah, I mean, look, the offense has, you know, flourished since those guys have been out of the lineup for for the most part. I mean, even the Bengals game that you had to settle for a shit ton of field goals was a pretty decent showing. I mean, the offense moved the ball pretty consistently down the field. Uh, and then same with the Miami game. Uh, you really were moving the ball. You just had to keep settling for three. And then, you know, you start to kind of break out in the, in the Buffalo and the Baltimore game where you're starting to turn some of those drives into touchdowns. So... You know, I don't know if Tony or Moore will play in the Super Bowl, but if I'm the Chiefs right now, it's kind of, it's just kind of hard for me to play them in the Super Bowl with the way the offense has kind of found its rhythm. Uh, I don't, I just don't see how you could mess that up right now. Uh, okay, I will say, Jackson, I I am not saying that I think the Chiefs would be better off if they had Kadarius Tony or Sky Moore, but do you really think that is the fundamental difference that's made it for the Chiefs to get this far? Like, I just feel like. For me, if you had said the same thing that, that um, let's say, an alternate universe where it's MVS that goes out, and we could be saying the same thing that all the Chiefs needed to do is bench MVS because he sucked all year. But then 
he's kind of been a, a big factor here. I think what you have, and this might be a little bit smooth-brained here, but at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes come playoff time, it, it it's going to take a lot for him to fuck that up. Just simply put, he's not just going to completely blow that. And I don't think that uh, Kadarius Tony or Sky Moore being in the lineup would have would have been something that could pull us down to not win those games. I mean, I don't know. I, I agree, but I think this is just a, a Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Steve Spagnuolo masterclass. Uh, and, man, I, I don't think it's quite as simple as a couple of, you know, poor contributors are going to bring it down. We still saw some mistakes, but at the end of the day, you know, each game we saw enough sustained periods of dominance for the Chiefs to really get out of these games without too much issue. Yeah, the Chiefs have come out really strong in all their playoff games, and then they kind of, like, start slowing down, which is something that we can't probably see in the Super Bowl, obviously, because if that happens, we're screwed. And with that being said, it's just, if we keep playing how we did, like, if we play how we did in the Bills game, I really like our chances. If we play how we did in the Ravens game, I don't know. It's going to be a really close game. But with that being said, I think this team has really cut down on the mistakes, as we talked about. And, I mean, Marquez Valdez-Scaling just needs to get an appreciation. Mm-hmm. Three catches in the postseason, but all three have been big, big catches. Something that we don't see a lot from MBS. And I think he's he's a big reason we're here, which I never thought I would say. Yep, I agree, man. I mean, I, I think the MBS has been one of the more unsung heroes for not just this year, but last. I mean, he he had this season an awful regular season. I don't think anyone is disputing that, even given what he's done in the playoffs. He lost us a game by dropping a pass that any receiver making $10 million is expected to catch in their sleep. Um, and, I mean, it was just largely a non-factor outside of that. And now he's got the game-winning catch against Baltimore. He's got two giant catches against Buffalo. And I think if anybody gets credit for that, it's going to be not just MVS, but Mahomes and Andy Reid, because – they grinded through the, the bleakest of bleak. Like, we lost a game to the Raiders at home where our defense didn't give up a touchdown. That is not something you would expect a team to be in the Super Bowl and be able to say. But, man, when the lights got brighter and the stakes got higher, there was just nothing that was really going to stand between. And also, Josh, on the subject of I, – I don't know where you guys view on this because I am interested um, – you said you, you felt like our performance in the Ravens game was worse. I, I would say going towards the end of the first half, I would agree that second quarter period. But offensively speaking, for the second half, I think we saw the Chiefs kind of tactically take their foot off the gas a little bit. And it worked out given the performances of the defense. And I think yeah, that's, that's I think a they strength might, more than a weakness. They might have taken their foot off the pedal a little too early, which Andy Reid's kind of known for doing that. And like her. And the Super Bowl, you can't do that. You just got to keep, you just got to keep scoring. And I don't but know how you guys talking, think about that. I feel like if we're talking, our defense is able to completely shut down Lamar Jackson in that Ravens offense. I think you know you can't say it's impossible they can do the same thing against Brock Purdy and those Niners. What'd you say? I, I was just saying. I think I think on the subject of the the gas pedal thing. I think that's that's a that's a strength more than a weakness. I think that's a that's a compliment to the defense. 
I, yeah, but that's the thing. Us, the way we opened this the half, the way we opened the half was four straight or three straight four and outs, and then we had a fucking like uh pretty much a third or a, a three and out, but there was one first down, and with that like like really, what are you doing with that? Like you're not really getting much out of that. You're you're wasting a minute sixty. Like I didn't really view that as like a win. I think if we did that in the fourth quarter, yeah, it's different. But it's like four straight, four three and outs. That's bad. Yeah, I agree. I think in execution, it wasn't as good as we had hoped for. But I think at but the same time, that's also the Ravens. You also played. Yeah, the and I think at the same time, we were never in jeopardy of like fucking that up. You know, like a lot of teams will throw that away. Look at the Chargers against Jacksonville last year. Uh, I I think if anything, look, I understand maybe a little bit of caution given that we stalled out a bit. But I think. I think part of it was tactical, and I think that just speaks to how difficult it is to beat the Chiefs. I mean, <laughs> when we, if you can lose to us and we can go a half without scoring, given our reputation, man, it's 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 just a really bizarre situation for 31 other teams this year. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, you can say whatever you want, but Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo, like you said, John, Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo, and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, those three come playoff time, it's just like automatic. They're just not going to lose games uh, unless the other team plays batshit insane. And it's happened a few times, you know, the Bengals game where Burrow played really well in the second half and Mahomes kind of just absolutely broke himself in the second half. Obviously, uh, the Super Bowl where we had no offensive line, and then the the D Ford incident, but like, and the, and Spags wasn't even here for that, but like, it literally takes another team playing damn near perfect football to beat these guys in January, and this year's really a testament to that because it really felt like this year it wouldn't take a team playing damn near perfect football to beat them, uh, and and don't get me wrong, Baltimore played nowhere near perfect in their game, uh, many many mistakes that they made, but I. I credit that to the Chiefs more than I fault Baltimore as much for that. Like, Kansas City came in, a really good game plan. You could tell Lamar was never comfortable in that game, and, and we'll break down nope. the, the entire game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that that was just a master class. I want to break down uh, the NFC Championship game first before we specifically break down the AFC Championship game because I feel like we'll have more to talk about uh, with Chiefs-Ravens, even though we've kind of already talked about it. Uh, but let's get into Lions 49ers. Obviously, Niners win 34-31. This was the most Detroit Lions game of all time. Like even at 24-7, I'm sitting, you know, in my basement watching this game with my buddies, and I'm like, they're gonna Lions this. Like they I never felt like Detroit actually had that game. I never felt like the Lions were actually going to win that game. I just kept you always in the back of your mind felt like Detroit was gonna blow that game. And son of a bitch, they did it, giving up 27 unanswered points. Uh, I mean, I know we're going to get into the Dan Campbell fourth down discussions, but before that, let's just talk about it. What were your guys' impressions of the game? I was I was very disappointed in Detroit. I mean, we knew this was going to come. Like, let's all be honest. Like, there's no way they were going to get through the whole season when going for it on fourth and down doesn't lose you the game. Oh and but oh my god, but but, oh my god. but that's how they got there. That's how they got there, and that's the risk you gotta take. And you know what? I saw a meme, and it was perfect. Dan came on eighteen against Blackjack. He said, "Hit me." 
Very low chance oh. it works out, but if it does, it works out. Okay, I'm, I might have to recuse, recuse myself from this discussion because I don't. I already don't think we're going to get anywhere productive. You guys realize one of the fourth downs, they they dropped the ball, right? Like I don't know how any of this is Dan Campbell's fault. At, no. At the end no. of the day, when mm. what do you want to say? What do you want to say? I am going to say this, and it's just. I, I don't I think we'll all agree on this part. If you're going to be an aggressive fourth down coach, John, do you have you have to be consistent with it, right? You can't sometimes be aggressive on fourth and short and then sometimes be like, ah, you know, never mind. So are you gonna say that you were gonna say that he fucked up by kicking the field goal at the end of the first half? This is what we're leading to. Yes. Because Okay. How can you So if I was the same breath, are you gonna say he shouldn't have kicked that field goal, but he lost in the game by going for it. No, no hold like, on. Like, that's where... Hold on. Hold on. I'm not done. I haven't gotten through my point yet, John. Jeez. Holy shit. I can see where it's going. You, you, I don't think you can <laughs> see where it's going, because that's not what I was going to say. My point is, you have to be consistent with it. And people are like, you can't judge it based off the result of not getting the fourth down. I 100% agree with that. But you can judge it based off of... How do you not go for it on fourth and short, you know, at the goal line, nonetheless, before the half, and then you do go for it on fourth and short twice in the second half? To me, you've got to stay consistent with it. And John or uh, uh, Josh, your point where it's like, this is how they got there, exactly. Why did he put his tail between his legs right before the end of the half and then comes out in the second half and does the regular Dan Campbell shit? And you can say, well, before the half, you wanted to make it a three-possession game. It, you, the same logic applies in the in the third quarter. Whenever they go for it, and okay, they, but, they drop but the when pass. You, when, okay, but here's what I'm going to say. When you go for it in the situations he went for it, you get the benefit of if you get it, the Niners also don't get the ball. I think I think that's one thing that we can look at here. When you're heading into halftime, I think there's a little more pressure to say we can take what we can get here because – our marginal benefit is only four points. I, I look, look. Here's the thing: everyone's I, the whole takeaway from this game has been Dan Campbell. This Dan Campbell that he's ridiculous. Number one, I number one thing I will say is I I don't think it's fair to say he's stuck away from his his thing because I think going into halftime there's a situational difference there. And remember, this lost the Chiefs a game, an AFC Championship game, by being the go-for-it team here. And when you have a philosophy that you do it one way, you, you can't say that uh, when, when we've praised Dan Campbell all year, we love how he goes for it on fourth down, don't we? Don't we? And this is more so talking to Josh. Then how are we going to fault him for going for it on fourth and short, okay, letting his, his coveted offensive coordinator draw something up? And what? Well, let me remind you, one of, one of the plays worked perfect. And who was it? Reynolds just dropped the ball. I mean, so so there's one that we, we automatically should be praising Dan Campbell for because the process was correct. The result just fucked him. And second of all, the fourth downs are the secondary factor of this whole game. You've got the Gibbs fumble and you've got the picks, or not the pick six, but the touchdown that hit off a defensive back's face mask. Okay? So why, how, did this, how does this end up at the top of every conversation? Dan Campbell played played his cards the way he should have, and he lost. There, he played his cards how he, how he did, and I'm I'm not I'm saying yes, 
But okay, the comparison that he hit it on the comparison that he hit on eighteen is just stupid. That's not (laughs) what he did. Hitting on eighteen is is unequivocally a terrible move. Okay, so if you go for it on fourth down and your receiver drops the ball, that was not hitting on eighteen. That was hitting on twelve. Like I don't I don't get what we're talking about here. Like. I, I, I just it's okay, but, but John, John, you know, what do you what do you think about the second one he goes for, where he could kick the field goal to tie the game at twenty seven, and he decides to go for love it. Love it, and I think that's the one that they dropped. If I'm not mistaken, no, no, the first if one's the one mistaken. they dropped. The okay, first... well, either way, the second one, Jared move. Goff got rushed at. Yeah, and, and 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 honestly, man, Jared Goff makes that play a little better. Dan Campbell put the trust in his guys. Okay, and they should have pulled through for him. And at the end of the day, he could have afforded to miss both of these fourth downs if just A, Gibbs doesn't fumble at the worst possible time, or B, their defensive back can prevent a ball from hitting off his face mask and going right back to Brandon Ayuk for a touchdown. Like, <laughs> the fourth down decisions were very mundane to me, man. They were, they were calculated. The numbers said you should do it. <laughs> One of them really should have worked out if an NFL player could just do an NFL player thing. I, I, I just don't see the reason for us to be like, Dan Campbell's a wild gambling man. He's crazy. I I just I think I think he did I think he played it pretty much pretty much fine. And we can't go all year praising him for the way he operated. And then and then just be like, Oh, this was stupid. Like what does he think he's doing out there? He's an idiot. I, I don't know, man. I, 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 I really don't like the discourse around this game. Oh, it's I, not I, the I first you, time. I, it's not the first time somebody has come at Dan for doing this this year. I specifically the Cowboys game where he goes for the two point conversion at the seven fucking yard line. Got it, but but he got it before. And also, man, going for it at the seven was wild. But he ended up getting it at the two again. No, he got it. So if we're gonna go, they whatever it was, the the three and a half. Shit. I I mean, man, and also, that is a stick to beat him with because if he didn't get fucked. He won the game, like straight up. Okay, and I, no one, nobody would kill him for going for the fourth and goal that they converted and got fucked on. It's going for the fourth and goal from the seven after that. That is just, or not, excuse me, the, the two point conversion. It, I'm telling you that I know he'll coach the same way. I know he'll go for it in these situations, but man, it has to burn you. It has to hurt when those six points. You had six points. I mean, obviously the kicker yeah, I mean, has to make it, but you had six points, and you in you know in a game that's decided by a field goal, it's a long off season to think about. You can say, well, like he still he still could have he very well still would have lost the game if he kicked the field yeah. goals. And if he kicked the field goals, imagine what we'd be talking about now. We'd be talking about oh Dan Campbell, he should have just gone for it. He should have gone for it. I'm telling you, I am firmly on the side of he made the correct <laughs> decisions, and oh god. Made the correct decisions and it did not work out for him. But I don't think what's one that we always argue though, John, is whenever a team kicks a field goal on like fourth and short, and we're like, we make the joke like they made a a two possession game, a two possession game, right? That that's like kind of a running gag. He, I think it's different if you're up ten and you kick the field goal to go up thirteen. But when you're up fourteen and you have the chance to go up seventeen. That's a difference because it's a three-possession game if you make that. It's three possessions if you score the touchdown or the field goal. So scoring points in that situation, in my opinion, 
was of the S. It was the most important thing. Think about it. San Francisco starts that half. They go down the field, and they kick a field goal. If you could have done the same and just gone down there and matched them and taken more time off the clock, that's a win. That is a complete win for you. Instead, you miss on it, and, and you just open the door. You open the door for San Francisco to come out and come down the field, and obviously some fluke shit happened, bounces off of a Lions player's helmet, and Brandon Ayuk makes a crazy play, but you kind of open the door for that. You know, I think, obviously, there's so many, you know, ways you can go about this. The discourse, you know, that he's crazy for going for a fourth and two, I don't think he's crazy for it by any stretch of the imagination. I just think, you know, obviously, I, I like the point you made where it's like he believes in his guys, and yeah, that's why they're there in the first place. But I do think when you have an opportunity to change a game and go from a two-score lead to a three-score lead, the field goal is worth taking. I think it's different than... Are you talking about... The, what field goal are you talking about? The, the first one. one. The first half? No, 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 no. The, fir- the, um, the one where they're up 24-10 and they go for fourth and yeah. two. When you have... Look, a- I, I tend to agree, man, but you are the underdog on the road. And once again... <laughs> the conversion was right there. I think there's a genuine possibility that if I'm the wide receiver, I could have caught it. He was wide open. I, I mean, man, I, I just, it's like, it's, look, it's two schools of thought. If you're a results based thinker, you, then this is, you can bash Van, Jan Campbell all you want. But I promise you guys, if, if Reynolds just catches the ball, I'm, we're standing here right now talking about how we're worried that Dan Campbell is going to, is going to go out aggressive, be more aggressive than the Chiefs, and he's going to burn us with it. We're literally talking about that right now. But then here's another Here's another thing to consider, but, in my opinion, that you have to consider in this situation. If Reynolds catches that pass and they get the first down, they're a no stretch of the imagination guaranteed to score a touchdown still. They no, still, they're not, but it's they still, still might end up with a field goal. Play. This isn't, it's a deflating play, and you get more control of the game. I mean, I... <laughs> <laughs> you could just as easily end up in another fourth and short, and you could just not convert that one. So it's yeah, like, I you get could. I get it. I get why they did it. I get this. I get that they did it all year and that it works, and that percentage wise, it's a play that has worked. I just think in a high leverage playoff game, man, this is you're not facing you know Nick Mullins in the Minnesota Vikings in Week 17. You're facing the 49ers with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And I know some people will argue. Well, that's so go back to the wall. See, Nick I, and I know some people will argue that. that. But when you do that, you open yourself up to lose. You open yourself up to blow it. Okay, yes. You, op- you open yourself up to blow it if and only if your star running back has a terrible fumble and your defensive back headbutts a ball for a touchdown. I mean, like we're spending all this time being like, Dan Campbell really cost his team the game. No. The guys on the field cost Dan Campbell the game. If I were Dan Campbell, I'd be like, fuck these guys. They screwed me. Because they did. And I don't know what to say, man. If we want to talk about how Dan Campbell didn't shouldn't have gone for fourth downs that he's gone for all year, that's how he's going to play football. Look, in the other game, we're bitching about how the Ravens didn't run the ball because they've done it all year. But they, but they did this. I mean, man. It, it, we got we got to think about the process here. I don't see the purpose in just being like, oh, the Lions lost. They fucked it up. We, there's two sides to this coin, man. Like, they got burned, but I, I just disagree with the criticism here. 
I, I think I, I would have done it the exact same way. And I, I, when Dan Campbell made all those before those plays, I was saying he did the right move there too. So we got to judge it based on what happens before. And I mean, it sucks they lost. Don't get me wrong, but if a couple of if a couple of guys just don't shit the bed, which is what the Lions do, this is a no conversation. And also, if they if if, if Reynolds catches the ball, if we're praising him for it, I'm I'm just saying. it's a difficult way for me to look at things because otherwise we got to look back and say Dan Campbell's whole season has been a big clown show and that he's he's coached like an idiot because there's no in between here we can't praise him for having a great year and being this fun aggressive coach and in the same breath be like buddy lost his team the game for being aggressive it just it doesn't make sense to me I understand that I understand the nuance of it I understand the arguments of it I'm not 100% either way that he should have gone for all the four. Yeah, and I'm not saying you – and to be fair, I'm not saying you are. I am largely arguing with the people that – I've seen plenty of people be like, Dan Campbell's naive and an idiot. And also, look, my opinion on this has to be added for some context because my soccer team has a coach that people have criticized for the same shit, and I love it. And his whole thing is, yeah, look, no one else does this, but this is how we play. We are aggressive, and we, we bring the game to our opponent, no matter what the circumstances are. And I'm going to die on that hill. And that is a hell of a way to coach. I cannot respect anything more. And it and if a guy can just pin a ball against his face mask, it would have worked out perfectly fine. It would have been – we would we'd be, we'd be scared of Dan Campbell is all I'm saying. I, I do respect that he has an identity, and Detroit has an identity, and they stick with it. And that's a good segue into Baltimore and Kansas City. Because Baltimore had an identity (laughs) and completely just threw it out the window. Talk about coaches that deserve a shit ton of criticism for this past week. John Harbaugh and Todd Munkin deserve a ton of heat for this performance they had last week. We kind of got into, you know, the glory of the Chiefs and we, you know, gassed up the Chiefs. And they deserve to be praised. But this was an inexcusable performance by the Baltimore Ravens at home with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Six designed runs with running backs. Six. Versus a team in Kansas City that we we all know well struggles to defend the run. The week before, Buffalo ran up and down the field on Kansas City. And this game was never out of reach. It was never a a 24-7 game like it was with Niners and Lions. This game was always, at worst, 10 points. I I seriously think that Dan Campbell's fourth down decisions have kind of overshadowed this, and it really shouldn't. That Todd Munkin and John yeah. Harbaugh really shit the bed when it mattered the most. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And they, they had an identity, and they felt pressure from the game state to leave it behind, and they did. And they lost pathetically. That's all I'm going to say. The Ravens were down in the game. The, the Chiefs offense got hot early. Two quick tu- – well, two early touchdowns. The second one was absolutely – I think one of the biggest things from this game is that the Chiefs' second touchdown drive was oh. one of the more deflating things you can do on a team's home turf in the yeah. playoffs. An eight-minute, six-minute, whatever, touchdown drive oh, on the nine. road. It was nine. And, and, and – yeah, and you have that that third down conversion mixed in there, Multiple. where they really thought they got us, but they didn't. 
Uh, yeah, big. And then from then on, the Ravens said, ooh, the game kind of calls for us to not be who we are. And I'm, and they said, we're not going to be who we are. And they lost miserably because of it. Now, one thing I will say is, I mean, look, if Legereus Need doesn't make one of the more unbelievable plays I've ever seen, then we might be talking about how the Ravens pulled that one back. Um, but big players, big plays, man. Um, and yeah, it looked poor. And you have that... It all is was encapsulated with that interception to Deion Bush at the end of the game, which was very fun to watch as a Chiefs fan, but also kind of a cringe moment as a defender of Lamar Jackson. It was like, oh, man, that one is going to get replayed quite a few times. And it has. When do the questions start being asked about Lamar Jackson? Oh, they're being asked. In the playoff. No, they've they're been, being asked right now. They were asked coming into the year, and they, they should be asked. I mean – the guy, and to be fair, like we've we've pre, we've prefaced this with the coaching staff really called an odd game, and they didn't give him, they did not call the typical game that they do. However, when you look at Lamar's playoff career as a whole, it is very piss poor. It is very very piss poor. Two and four as a starter, six touchdowns, six picks, fifty seven percent completion percentage. I mean, at and this was. His big moment, right? If Mahomes loses this game, it's like, it's whatever. It's Patrick Mahomes. This wasn't a very great Chiefs team. They'll be back. Lamar losing this game at home, especially in the fashion that he did. It's not like he lost this game the way Josh Allen lost this game, where his kicker just shanked one, and he played an overall, you know, over uh, overall pretty solid uh, performance. No, this was a stinker. This was a clunker. Outside of that, really outside of two Nice plays, the, you know, escape touchdown to Flowers and the ball that he got batted and he caught himself, which PTSD to the max with that one. But yeah, um, major. But, um, oh, when I saw that, I said, it's over. We lost. Other than those two plays, Lamar was terrible for the most part. I mean, just terrible. And yeah, like we can bring up the Zay Flowers fumble at the one yard line. Obviously, it's not on Lamar, but that throw into triple coverage, man. And just like there were so many odd Lamar moments that you don't normally see. I think specifically uh, that third and one where he has all day and he runs outside the pocket and instead of just throwing it away at the end, he takes like a four yard sack to make it like fourth and yeah. four. Like you uh-huh. never see that out of Lamar. Like he to me was clearly rattled. It's a testament to Spags in the defense, but it is a man that game really, really is a huge hit on Lamar's legacy. This MVP really means nothing right now for him. Like, obviously, it's nice. Yep. In, in hindsight, people will be like, he won, you know, two MVPs. But right now, this MVP means jack shit. And, and Lamar knew that. Lamar knew that going into this game, that if they didn't win, this MVP was literally irrelevant for him. It doesn't matter that he's going to win the MVP uh, next week at the NFL Honors. It just doesn't matter anymore. Like, that wasn't his goal. That wasn't Baltimore's goal. And for his legacy, winning this game was much more important than winning this MVP will be. And he, he just didn't get done. I mean, it's just, what what are you going to say? I mean, he's got two playoff wins in his career. One against Ryan Tannehill and one against, you know, the baby Texans and C.J. Stroud. Yeah. What do you say? I, I and look, I'll make a little sidebar here. I completely don't care about MVP for any arguments ever. That reward is a farce. And I'll tell you why. Because last year, 
Patrick Mahomes was not going to win the MVP until Jalen Hurts got hurt. That should tell you how fucked up it is. Because Jalen Hurts was A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith in that offensive line. Didn't have as good an offense as the Chiefs. And they were going to give him the MVP. With Patrick Mahomes, who was throwing the... Uh, he had like eight games of Juju Smith-Schuster and, you know, threw it all together with the rest of those bumps. So, yeah, I don't care about MVP. It's a joke. It should have gone to a position player, non-QB this year. Um, but, yeah, Jackson, if you can't deliver it in this moment, it doesn't matter. Both of his MVP seasons have concluded with, I mean, I'll, I'll just say what they are. They're pants shittings. Um, this was a pants shitting. And at a certain point, we can, we can talk about Todd Munkin and we can talk about all this. And I love Lamar. I think he's a great player. I think Mahomes has jacked the standard for everyone because you just inevitably you're going to get Mahomes. Um, but he, at a certain point, if he wants to go to that true level that we want him to be at, has to just say, I'm, I'm going to do this. Take over and do it. And he didn't do that. He had a lot of opportunities to. The Chiefs offense left the door open and never quite took the opportunity by the reins. Um, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think it just further affirms that no one is on the tier that Patrick Mahomes is on. And no one is even close. Um, there's just there's just this own little area that he's sitting in. And yeah, <laughs> it was demonstrated yet again. He's had three playoff losses that he was expected to win, completely undelivered in all of them. And yeah, it, <laughs> I don't really know what to say. I don't want to hate on Lamar. But, I mean, we have to say it. He's had, he's had his chances to really, you know, stake his claim, get some real estate in the history of this league, and he hasn't done it. He still has time, but who knows how long that's going to be. We see him take big hits week in and week out. I'll say the same thing about Josh Allen. Those two mm-hmm. scare the shit out of me. Um, so, you know, <laughs> the clock is ticking on these guys. And you always have that giant wall in the north of Patrick Mahomes that you have to deal with. Um, so yeah, not a, not a fun time to try to be growing your legacy as a guy not named Patrick Mahomes right now. Let me tell you. Yeah. And I saw, I forgot who said it or maybe it was tweeted. I don't remember, but someone compared, uh, and said that Mahomes is going to be this era's Jordan where he's just going to like gatekeep a generation of stars from rings. Mm -hmm. He is just going to Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, um, you know, other guys in the AFC, of course, that are, you know, ascending, uh, Joe Burrow, you know, it just uh, absolutely cock blocked them from getting rings. Cause when you think about it, like in 2021, that crazy ass playoff game between Kansas City and Buffalo, it's really not out of the imagination that the Bills go on to win that Super Bowl if they win that game with 13 seconds yeah. left. You know, oh, yeah. Josh Allen has a ring today. And it's not out of the imagination that if Baltimore would have won this past week that they would beat San Francisco in the Super Bowl. It's not out of the imagination that if the Bengals won last year in the AFC Championship game, Burrow would have a ring. It's like Patrick Mahomes has become the Michael Jordan slash the LeBron James where it's like you can't get through him. Like if these quarterbacks were in the NFC, their legacies are completely different probably. But they're stuck in a conference with Patrick Mahomes, and they just simply cannot get over the hump. They can't get past him. He's going to prevent them from winning multiple rings. And it's it's just glorious to have on your side. Uh, as someone who's been on the other side of it with Tom, who consistently blocked you from getting to where you wanted to go, 
it's a pretty damn good feeling, and it's it's probably the biggest testament you can give to Mahomes is that Lamar, Burrow, and Allen, none of them have a ring. And that's large nope. important due to Patrick Mahomes. The only active quarterback to beat Mahomes in the playoffs is Joe Burrow. That's fucking insane. Yeah. Yep. Only yeah. other guy. He's also it, he's also lost to him in the playoffs. That's what's funny too. The only guy to beat him doesn't even have an above five hundred record against him. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I the don't only, know what you can do about it, man. The, the only guy in the playoffs who could beat the only guy. There's only one time Mahomes and the Chiefs have lost a playoff game by more than a possession. It was that Super Bowl to Tom. Other than that, I mean, they have literally, even when the Chiefs have lost, it's been, I mean, I think what Mahomes has three playoff losses and two of them came in overtime. So it's like, you have to take them, and one came with a completely inept offensive line. So, I mean, it's incredible what they've been able to do. Um, But for Baltimore, this is a huge hit. This is a gigantic loss for Baltimore. I mean, this was the year. This was everything lined up for you. And to not get it done this year, it's not going to be easier. You know, I don't see Cleveland going anywhere. That You know, the fact they were able to win 11 games this year, I don't see them getting worse. This They seem to be competent. Cincinnati's going to be back. Joe Burrow's going to be back. And you're not going to sweep the Bengals as easily as you did this year. You know, you're going to have to go through Joe Burrow this year. Um, a healthy Joe Burrow at that, uh, you know, and then uh, just other teams in the AFC, you know, you expect Jacksonville to get their shit together a little bit. Uh, the Colts with Richardson could be a contender. The Texans look like they're ascending with Stroud. Who knows if the Jets will be competent next year with Rodgers. There's just like, this was a year, the Chargers with Harborough, you know, this felt like a year, the year for the Ravens. Everything lined up. You got home field. You got, you know, you're a weaker Kansas City team than... You know, in years past, at least on the <laughs> offense, at least on the offensive end for Kansas City, and yep, in the biggest moment you had, you you just didn't get it done, and you can blame it on Harbaugh, you can blame it on Munkin, you can blame it on Lamar, but it was just a wasted opportunity. It was a complete wasted opportunity for Baltimore, and if you're a fan of the Ravens, you just have to be sick because, man, how could it ever line up better for you in the future? It really just can't. But it goes back to what I said. I said this on the podcast, and maybe if I can find it, I'll clip it and put it on Twitter. When we were talking about the Chiefs weren't doing as well as, you know, and obviously like that, I did say the one motherfucker you don't want to see come through that door if you're hosting a playoff game is 15. I said that, and I'll go find the clip if I have to, but it's the truth. And I said when you have a playoff field that consists of guys like Flacco and Mason Rudolph, the last motherfucker you want to see come through that door is Patrick Mahomes. And everyone questioned, oh, can he win on the road? He's only one at home. To be honest, he arguably played better on the road than he has at home in the playoffs, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and look, man, I think if we're – I'm if this is just Mahomes gushing at this point. You made the point, man. The rest of the AFC, to really look at a year and be like, ooh, we can get the bowl this year. This is a good setup. It, it, those opportunities don't come around very often. All of the quarterback riches are in the AFC. Patrick Mahomes in the AFC. Yeah, it's not a fun situation. Um, but to gush over Mahomes, you talked about how we had three playoff losses. Two of them were in overtime. Only one of them we lost by multiple scores. And that also happens to be the only game that Mahomes didn't score or that we didn't score a touchdown. And that game is also 
still arguably the best game of Patrick Mahomes' career. So you really just have to get lucky to beat him. I think it's kind of where I've come to. You got to get lucky. D Ford has to jump off sides. The offensive line has to be decimated. Or you have the really, really rare occurrence of the 2021 AFC Championship where the Chiefs just decide they're going to forget how to play football for a whole half. I mean, whew, ah, it is not a fun time to hate the Chiefs. It, it is not. I feel bad for people that have made their whole life hating the Chiefs because you're going to be pretty fucking miserable. As I said after the Super Bowl last year, either join us, either join us or enjoy losing because that's that's really the situation we're in. And I love it. I'm personally all here for yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Well, we've pre we've uh, covered championship weekend quite a bit. We'll have an episode next week regarding, you know, a deeper dive into the Super Bowl, but let's get some early thoughts, a little bit of an early preview on the Super Bowl. Not the Chiefs Niners rematch Super Bowl 54. Uh, Niners are two-point favorites. The third straight week, Kansas City is an underdog. Um, Mahomes in his career, 10-1-1 against the spread as an underdog. Uh, pretty much free money. This one, obviously, neutral site, so it's not even on the road. Uh, yeah. Early indication, early thought is just like the sports books just are so ignorant to the point they will not learn. And people are just so ignorant to the point where they will not learn. When do you just No, like, people people have learned. People have learned. No, because see, that's the thing. Is, they have not. Are you kidding me? No, no they, they have. have. All well, then say, why is the public still making the Chiefs underdogs? Because like, when you look, John, 72% of the spread is on the Chiefs. 83% of the money line is on Chiefs. Yeah, Everyone's betting the Chiefs. They're the underdog. They're still, yeah, the, the, the public like, can bet them into being favorites. I'm just saying. Okay. Yeah, 72%, 83%. Like, the books are obviously just not wanting to make them favorites. It's professional money. Uh, That's what it is. They they don't move these lines because they're scared. Once they move it, the prof- they're going to get fucked with professional money coming in and just absolutely decimating them with the line. Look, at the end of the day, though, I, I don't know how this one's not either a pick em or a Chiefs are favored. To be it will be, it'll be a pick em by kickoff. I don't know. It just hasn't really moved in the last like four days. And I know it's, we're still pretty far out from kickoff, but I mean, if a line, a line staying at two doesn't mean that bets aren't coming in a shit ton of bets are coming in and it's just not moving. I don't know what they'll do with the line. Um, but like last week, I forgot what the Ravens and chiefs line was when we recorded, I think it was three and a half. And by yeah. kickoff, it got up to four and a half. And I even tweeted on our account that that was batshit. <laughs> insane to make us a four and a half point underdog. I think the last time Mahomes was a four and a half point underdog was week two at Pittsburgh in 2018. Yeah. And he threw for six touchdowns. Yeah. So like that made zero damn sense to me. Um, Man. I mean, early indication is I really like the chiefs in this. I like the chiefs better in this spot than I liked them four years ago in this spot against San Francisco. Yeah. I really do. Like, that San Francisco team, to me, was much scarier. They were relentless on defense. Let's be honest. This San Francisco team, they're quality as hell. They're very good. I'm not going to take it from them. But they are lucky as shit to be here, man. They are unbelievably fortunate to be here. Honestly, two of the flukiest playoff wins you will ever see a team come down with. 
it is insane that they were able to win both the Green Bay and Detroit game because, man, they really did not play well in either, and they really should have lost both. I, I Maybe it's just the overly optimistic. Maybe by we, the time we get closer to kickoff, I'll come back down and I'll be a little more you know nervous. But as we sit here right now, I really like Kansas City, man. Like, obviously, huge bias, huge glass. Uh, my biased glasses are on. I'm getting a little blinded by the bias. But, man, like, I just think Kansas City is in a really good spot right now in this San Francisco team. I don't think the San Francisco team played a good game in, like, a month. Neither playoff game was good. Week 18, they sat their starters. Uh, they beat the Commanders 27-10. to That game wasn't necessarily great. Got their ass beat by the Ravens at home. Like, they're not playing great football right now. And I expect them to be ready. I expect Shanahan and that staff to be ready for this game. But, man, if just off of what we've seen the last calendar month, I really like Kansas City. Josh, you want me to go or you go? You can go. Um, okay, I am very confused by this. These last three weeks have made me think – Maybe I know nothing about football, and then I'm like, ooh, no, this is just a really weird situation. I can't, I couldn't wrap my head around how we were underdogs against the Bills. I could see it against the Ravens, but I still thought it was ridiculous. Um, and I had no clue whatsoever how we're underdogs in this game. It blows my mind. Um, and look, reminder it's football. I'm aware of this. We can lose, crazy shit happens, anybody can eat it, beat anybody. Uh, it's a Super Bowl. It's not a bad team. All of this stuff. Yes. Now, but if I'm just saying who I'm going to take, man, this Niners team is not anything to be scared of, in my opinion. Even fully healthy. Their defense is really not great. I mean, that that is the thing that I think really boils it down to for me. I think people have just kind of been in a, a mode for a long time that, oh, the Niners have a good defense because they have for so long. Um, but I think that is largely not the case anymore. They – haven't exactly been dominant either of the last two weeks. Um, they probably – I think they've kind of been lucky to win both of these games. I think if if Daniel Carlson's brother makes a field goal or if that dumbass can just pin a ball on his face mask, I think the, the Niners are in Cancun right now. Um, so they're flying by the seat of their pants. And, yeah, I, I don't think they have the juice to stop the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs' offense is going to have its best game of the playoffs. I think they're going to go insane. Maybe, maybe similar to the Bills' production. But, I mean, look, we're talking about a 35-point game in that one if Beekle Hardman can hang on to the football. And I think, on the other uh, side, man, sorry, and I'm just saying, on the other side, I think the Chiefs' defense, Steve Spagnolo, the Super Bowl gob, um, absolutely fantastic scheme last time against the Niners. The guy put Tom Brady away a while ago. Um, and did enough to get us by against Philadelphia. I think we get another bags masterclass. <laughs> I mean, look, the last time I was this confident for an AFC championship or a Super Bowl game, I will say it was the game against the Bengals that we lost. I was very high conviction on the Chiefs in that one. So maybe a little bit of reverse psychology going on, but man, from everything I can see watching both of these teams through this playoffs and through the last weeks of the season, <laughs> I'm, I was very, very confused when I saw this was anything more than a pick'em, let alone not a favorite for the Chiefs. Um, so I'm, I'm as, a, as a betting man, I am very excited for the Super Bowl. Let me tell you, with this game, 
you have to realize both teams are at, are in the Super Bowl for a reason. They're both really good. And I think I agree. I tend to agree this is one of the lesser talented teams we've played. But they also have a guy named Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Way better weapons than we do when it comes to Travis Kelsey and Isaiah Pacheco. Now, I will say Travis Kelsey is better than George Kittle. Pacheco is no – he's no – He's not very far down the line from CMC, but he's not CMC. And Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel are not fucking MVS and Rasheed Rice. But with that being said, it's Brock Purdy versus Patrick Mahomes. I'm taking Patrick Mahomes 101 times out of 100. With that being said, I think th- this team, if they come in confident, they can they can win this game. This We're going up against a really, really good football team, a team that lost – what, five, four games? I think they lost five. I looked into it. I think they lost five games. But I don't know, dude. I saw some footage today. I was watching the 49ers offensive line. They're weak other than Trent Williams. Yeah. And that is where we can fucking strive. And if yeah. we can cause pressure to Brock Purdy, a guy that can't really run and manage the pocket well, that's how you just crumble them. And I think that's what they're really worried for. And I, I agree with you guys. We can win this. And – I'm excited for it. To rank this on how nervous I've been in the four Super Bowls, which is fucking insane. Like, can we just take a moment that this is our fourth Super Bowl? There's a lot of NFL teams that haven't been to four Super Bowls, let alone or two Super Bowls, let alone four. Like, we're 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 witnessing fucking greatness. But when I look at this mm-hmm. team, I think I think we have hope. And I think when you rank this, I I truly I I view this. 49ers team a little bit better than the first one we played. And I view them. Ooh. I do. I do. Okay. So my thing with that is I think Brock Purdy is better than Jimmy G. And I think that marks the end of how they're a better team. I think defensively. Christian McCaffrey. I mean, yeah, but like offensively speaking, I mean, they're fine. They're damn good. But Brock is the same thing with a better quarterback and a better running back. Yeah, okay, and I agree with all that, Josh. But what I'm saying is, one, the Chiefs' defense is significantly better now. This and is true. Two, and two, you talked about how they have Debo and Brandon Ayuk, and that they're way better than MBS and whoever you want to say our other best receiver is Justin Watson. Shit, I don't even know. Rushy Rice. <laughs> Rushy Rice, sorry, yeah. Forgot about his ass. Um, the Chiefs' secondary is going to make – Debo and Ayuk look a lot more like MVS. And I think the Niners secondary, which people have conveniently forgotten is pretty bad, are going to make MVS and Rashid look a little more like Debo and Ayuk. I think that's the thing. I think the way you beat the Chiefs this year is the offense has to kind of kill us. They have to have mistakes, penalties, and they can't do enough to overcome the defense inevitably giving them a good performance because we still haven't given up 30 points. Remember that. And I don't see Brock Purdy being the one to break that. I yeah yeah I love this. I, I just think this. It's, it's the defense for me though, because their their defense I, fifty four was damn good. I can never go into a Super Bowl being very very confident. I'm always going to be nervous. I'm always going to be no. Up I agree. Mistake. I agree. But I'm nervous. If you go into a Super Bowl being confident, that's how you get fucked up. That's how you lose the game. And I mean, no one expected us here a month ago. So it is what it is. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a fun day. I can't wait. I honestly like, though, to your point about Trent Williams, the other four offensive linemen they have are either pedestrian or below average. 
And that is huge. It's like us in obviously, 2020. Obviously, it's it's better than us in 2020 because we don't we didn't have a single offensive lineman worth noting at that game, really. Uh nowhere no one of the caliber of Trent Williams. But like this is huge. Like it makes it to where it doesn't just have to be Chris Jones. You put, you know, Trent Williams on Chris Jones, okay. We're bringing Carl Loftus off the right, or we'll bring Dana off the right, or we'll do whatever we have to do. Obviously, losing a Menahue with the torn ACL is a blow, but Kansas City does not lack depth at pass rusher. Like, our first-round pick has literally not been playing, and that's how deep we are at pass rusher slash how raw and undeveloped uh, Felix Sanaduke Uzama has been this season. Uh, and granted, he's 21 years old. I mean, the kid is mm-hmm. super young, but... Like, I mean, you would figure he'd play in this game, right? With Charles Minnehue tearing his ACL. You're, I mean, you put maybe put him in this game. That's huge for me. But the other thing is, I don't think enough people understand the 49ers defensive line outside of Nick Bosa is bad. Like, it's not <laughs> good. And people just think it's good because of the names. Like, they see Chase Young and they're like, holy shit, they have a good pass rush. They're considering making Chase Young a healthy and active. Like, he has been horrible terrible his effort is laughable i don't know if you saw that clip of the jameer gibbs touchdown in the in the nfc title game but he's like jogging it's bad and i don't know if it's just like he's never fully recovered from that torn acl or what but like chase young sucks like he is not a good player anymore he is there's a reason he only got picked up for a third round pick and i guarantee you if san francisco could redo it they probably wouldn't even give up the third round pick to go get him. Like he has been terrible for them. Javon Kinlaw on the inside, another name, a first rounder. People just automatically assume, you know, guys solid, but he struggled as well. Nobody on that defensive line outside of Nick Bosa has generated any pass rush this postseason. And so I think you really have San Francisco on the line. Like I think Kansas City, even if you don't have Joe Tooney, will be able to hold up on the offensive line. And I think defensively, they're going to be able to get after Brock Purdy. I really do believe that. And if you can get after Brock Purdy, that's how you're going to beat him. As long as you don't let him do say, against Detroit and break, contain, and run, that's how you're going to beat him. I will say, us losing uh, Omenahu is huge. It hurts. It, it hurts, hurts, but, it man, hurts we have depth at that position. That's We do, and that, that's the good part. But, man, dude. I really, really started liking him. Like, the way you guys were hyping him up, I was like, okay, whatever. But when he got on that field, I was just in love with him. Like, he he took away the pressure that Chris Jones always got on a double team. He is the reason we our defense was succeeding so well at the D-line. But, like you guys said, we have so many people at that at that position. So, I'm not worried. I think we can still really do well. And you have to remember, Omenahu is coming from San Fran, so he's obviously going to still be helping the team by giving them insider tips. Well, well yeah, and I, I do remember earlier this year, I banged the drum quite a bit that if the Chiefs defense is this good right now, imagine how good they'll be when Omenahu's back. Yeah. Um, and so that, on one hand, is a credit to Omenahu because I very much thought that take was a good one when I saw him play. But also, remember that it came from a place of our defense is damn good without it. Um, so that's made me yeah, feel sure. confident. I did want to mention here because I went back and listened to all of our preseason Super Bowl oh, predictions, God. and you guys are aware of these picks. But for the viewers, um, Josh <laughs> took got the Super Bowl matchup correct, and he has the Niners over the Chiefs, thirty-one to seventeen. Um, 
Josh, but you have to give my reason. Yeah, do you, do you want oh, me to – you really want to stick by this? It's been reason? well documented on this podcast, it's, Josh's it's, reason. It's Josh's pattern bullshit, which is that we go – our cycle is lose an AFC championship, win the Super Bowl, lose the Super Bowl. Um, so on this uh, this postseason um, ovulation schedule, we'll call it, for the Chiefs, pushing out Super Bowl eggs, um, that this is their time to lose. Um, I – and the only one that have the Chiefs winning, I have the Chiefs over the Eagles. Woof! The Eagles are bad. Um, thank God I got off that one coming into the playoffs. Um, so one of us will pick the winner correctly. I don't know if that's happened every year. I highly doubt any of us picked the Bucks going into 2021 or the Rams going into 2022. Um, so yeah, and then Jackson, I hate to put you on blast, but. You picked the Eagles over the Bengals, twenty-seven to twenty-four. <laughs> that one did not age fantastic. No, it didn't. It, it did not. It was a reasonable take at the time, though. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not calling you an idiot. No I'm, one. I'm uh, pretty no sure one thought the that was the same. Of that pick, both Philly and Cincinnati both had top five Super Bowl odds. It sounds like shit. They right definitely now. did. But yeah, no, whatever. they definitely did. Um, the, and the jo- thing that and I Josh, Josh, here's the thing with that take. Josh, here's the thing, is you need to add something to your cycle, okay? Because you, you have the cycle, but you need to add, after losing the AFC Championship game, we sign a Houston Texans safety. Because we signed Matthew, and then we signed Justin Reed. So, I don't know who we're going to sign, but after next year's loss in the AFC title game, we're going to sign another Texans free safety to replace it, Justin Reed. I was going to say Stingley, but... Stingley's a corner, and no... Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's why I was like, as the game won't work out. No, I don't think we had that. I, I think you just—it's postseason chances, and I hope I'm wrong. But I'm also thinking about throwing like two dollars on thirty-one seventeen forty dollars just in you case should. it hits. Because really like, it, it, if I if, if it hits, like I'm sorry, but like that'd be pretty fucking cool. You should. No, it would be. That would be that'd be. I just don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how, but I, I'll figure out a way. I don't know if you yep. factored this yep. into your. Uh, cycle thing, Josh, but when we lost to Tampa, they put up 31 points in the Super Bowl. Was that intentional or that just... No, that was not intentional. Okay. Just, if that was intentional, that that is a deep read, but uh, no, I kind of noticed that whenever John sent it this week. I was like, that's damn near the score we lost by in the other Super Bowl, but yeah. Uh, I hope it's not 31-7. I'll be fucking pissed. Yeah, that would suck. Um, so... I don't want to go too deep into it because we do have a whole other week and we will definitely go into mm-hmm. everything next week. We will go into every damn sport or uh, betting prop you can imagine. National Anthem over under, Gatorade color, all of it will be... Uh, we'll dive into all of it. But just for today's sake, I would like for us to pick the winner and pick the score and we can change it next week. But just how you're feeling uh, as we sit here today. Whoever wants to start. Josh, go ahead. I'm going to go Chiefs 31, Niners 20, a.k.a. Super Bowl 54 Same score. score. I was literally going to do that one, too. Uh, I'm going to go 31-17 <laughs> Chiefs. I'll copy Josh, but reverse it. I actually think... It is lower scoring than uh, you guys are making it out, or at least you guys are predicting it to be. Um, I have tussled with it. 
I like it 21 to 16. I'm going to take Kansas City right now. I think it's lower scoring than people think. Um, I am, I know I said I wasn't going to talk about the Lions too much, but I am really in on the under 47 and a half right now. I'm really in on the under. Um, but, you know, we'll have to see. A whole other week for me to probably flip flop my mind. I've already flip flopped my mind a million different places. The two weeks before the Super Bowl is both great and terrible. I love the two weeks of being like we're in the Super Bowl and, you know, kind of getting to celebrate it. But godly, like, my mind goes like, I, there's not a, like an hour of the day that goes by where I'm like not thinking about this damn game. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, <laughs> it really sucks. Um, but also, it's good for the game. Like, I think two weeks to get people healthy and just make sure everybody's fresh. I was like, it's really gay healthy. I mean, yeah. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe wishful thinking, but Joe Tooney, maybe, maybe. Joe Tooney, I don't think will. Willie Gay should 100% play in this game, unless it's worse than we're being told. Tooney, I'd give. Oh, like, Nick injury is like. A, Tooney, I'd give like a five to ten percent chance of playing in this game. Really, don't expect him to be out there. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I don't think they've fully come out and said it, but I'm pretty sure it's a torn peck, like, or at least no, it's, it's, just, it's a. It's they said it was strain. a strain pack. They said like the MRI was like as good as they could hope, but like we're still talking about a pectoral injury for an O yeah. lineman. That's kind of the big thing you need. Um, so yeah, hundred percent. So I'm not really going to be uh, banking on Joe Tooney to play in this game. A guy I am interested to see if he plays in this game is McKinnon. I haven't really heard anything about him, but I don't think it's impossible he suits up and plays in this game which I'm not sure if it makes a huge difference if he does or not. I think Clyde's filled his role decently well, but uh, I obviously wouldn't hate having McKinnon in this game. Ma'am, I think there were multiple plays where we were missing McKinnon against the Ravens. Oh, I, I can count yeah. at least three fucked up running back blocks from Pacheco <laughs> and Clyde that were never something Jarek McKinnon would be caught doing. Otherwise, he wouldn't be on an NFL roster. Uh, but yeah. Also, though, we did get a third down... The third down conversion where Mahomes flipped it over the guy's head to Kelsey, just like a complete, like, just oh my God, uh, yeah. to behind the line of scrimmage. Pacheco yeah. made an excellent chip on that play. Guy had a free lane to Mahomes, and Pacheco put him out on his stomach. So that was that was a nice play. Giving him credit for that one. 100%. We'll get into it next week. I don't want to spoil too much of our Super Bowl preview. It will be quite a bit of content for the fourth time in the six years of the podcast. We're back in the Super Bowl. We're there. It's time to go win this thing and break the Josh Gregory curse. Uh, we're going to go do it. All right. We can go ahead and unless anybody has anything they want to add, I was going to just pivot right into D4 to the week. But if anybody has anything, uh, any sports news they want to talk about, then I don't really feel like I want to talk about Mizzou basketball. I'm just going to I'm just gonna be honest. Nope, nope, nope. Fuck that. Nope. Um, we got d- nothing else to talk about. D4, go. Uh, my D4 of the week is NFL fans thinking the game's rigged for the Chiefs. That's You're just one. dumb motherfuckers. <laughs> They're just salty. <laughs> All right, my D4 of the week is Mizzou basketball. Holy shit, they suck. You just we said we weren't going to talk about it. Dude, okay, well, we don't have to talk about it in depth, but they are my D4 of the week. And honestly, man, I'm not going to lie to you. The, oh, I, oh, I don't want to be this guy. And I don't want to eat my words in, in a year like I had to do this year when Mizzou won the Cotton Bowl. But I think there's a very, very legitimate possibility 
that Dennis Gates is fucking awful. Like, <laughs> I mean, shit. Because, dude, look, I get these players are bad, but, like, if you watched us, it's like, dude, is someone, like, helping them? Like, our defense, we give up an open dunk or an open three pretty much every possession. Dennis Gates is clearly incapable of coaching any semblance of defense. Um, that is true. I, I'm, I'm, cons- I'm officially concerned. I don't think I don't think that we need to be a tournament team this year, but holy shit, bro. We are going we are not gonna win a, a game in one of the shittier basketball conferences. We're not gonna win a game. That is fucking pathetic. Well we'll see. We're playing uh winless we're gonna be worse. We're playing winless Vanderbilt uh, or conference. Yes, one of the worst. Uh Vanderbilt hasn't won a SEC game either, so one one of us will have to win one. We'll see if it's us or I knew we were gonna be bad. I didn't know it was going to be this bad. It's bad. It's no, just this like, is terrible. This, this is, is this is worse than Conzo's last year. This yeah. is genuinely worse than Conzo's last year. Yeah, it's bad. This we is just, concerning. I don't think people understand. We just went the entire month of January without winning a game. We went 0-8 in January. That is... Also, like, what, whatever uh, it is that was happening, something happened in Arkansas this week. Whether it's what we think it is or nothing, because we have players that are healthy scratches left and right for them and players leaving the program this week, and they made us look silly. Like, yeah, we got yeah. fucked. Addict on it, our own by, Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is terrible. That that was horrible. And, and, and look, Dennis Gates, literally after every game, bitches about the refs. He bitches about the refs. I'm like, dude, we lost by 20 to a team that sucks cock. How mm. are we going to bitch about the refs? Like, oh, my God. But I don't know, man. All right. Um, my D4 of the week is one that literally happened while we were recording this podcast. And it's Jim Harbaugh. I don't know if you guys have seen it since we started recording. But while he was on uh, The Herd today with Colin Coward, he said, quote, about J.J. McCarthy, don't be surprised if slash when he's the number one QB off the board. That's my prediction right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm all for hyping your guys up, but holy shit, Jim Harbaugh, what the fuck makes you think that any franchise would be dumb enough to take J.J. McCarthy over Caleb Williams or Drake May? Or Jalen, or Jaden Daniels, for that matter. Hell, even Bo Nix or Michael Penix Jr. Like, I put J.J. McCarthy's, like, QB6 in this draft, so, yeah, Coach Harbaugh, um, not a good week for the Harbaugh's for me. I hate on John, Jim's pissing me off now, uh, that is an absolute delusional take. That I, yeah, I don't even know why you'd lie about it. Why can't you just be like, I think JJ McCarthy will be a good pro. Why do you have to be like, he's going to be I will pro. say, man, if, uh, if Lincoln Riley would have said the same shit about Baker Mayfield that one year, we would have called him insane too. Maybe, just maybe, uh, the Bears are stupid enough to do it. Who knows? If the Bears but do also, that. But also, no, you're right. If the Bears do that, I will actually throw a party. Like, I would, it would be one of the greatest days of my life if they took J.J. McCarthy number one overall. It, 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 I'd already be thrilled if they traded out of number one and kept Justin Fields. If they did something as stupid as that, oh my God, it would be, it would be so, so great. Because I know that as Chiefs fans, we don't have to worry about this, but as a Packers fan, it is getting like, glaringly obvious that I'm about to have to deal with Caleb Williams in my division for the next decade. And I am not really excited about it. And the Panthers can fuck all the way off for letting Chicago have this pick. Not, not excited about it in the slightest. 
Yeah, well, the Chiefs version of that, Jackson, is that literally every quarterback who's worth a single shit is goes to the AFC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, I so think, I'm I think glad the one of them is over there. Well, I think the tide's going to turn a little bit. I think May and Williams both go NFC this draft, and hopefully, for AFC fans' sake, if they're worth they're, a shit, they're That's worth the question. a shit. Are they going to be worth a shit? I mean, because everybody in the NFC draft sucks. God yeah. damn, why can't Bryce Young be CJ Stroud and CJ Stroud be Bryce Young? <laughs> yeah. Like, for what real, the hell? Bro. Like, it's going to be, Will Levis will somehow end up being a good quarterback next year with the way the AFC's trending. It is just bullshit. At least you can, you know, rely on Kenny Pickett being shit. But, yeah, that'll do it for today's episode. Before we get off today's episode, just want to put it out there. I did place a $5 wager this past week on the Royals to win the AL Central. So this baseball season will be very interesting. I probably just donated $5 to FanDuel, but uh, I will be more irate. What are the odds up. on that? Um, pays out 50 so I, I forgot. That's what pretty it, good. I think it was plus, plus 1000 I think it was plus $1,100. Um, Wait, no. If it pays out, yeah, yeah. To win the AL yeah. Central. I put down 5 and it pays out 55 So whatever. Yeah, plus $1,100. Um, they have the fourth... Best odds. The White Sox are fifth. The Twins are, I think, minus 130 to win the AL Central, which if you're betting on any AL Central team to win the division at minus odds, that's insane because this division is terrible. and There is no point in doing that. Uh, but, yeah, just, just wanted to throw that out there that I will be even more pissed off at the Royals this year uh, when they're out of it by Memorial Day. Uh, but we'll leave it at that. We don't have to talk about them for another couple weeks because of the Chiefs. Appreciate everybody for tuning in, and you're going to want to tune in next week for sure as it is our Super Bowl preview breakdown. We're going to give you the insides, uh, inside scoop on all betting odds because we're just such a good podcast at getting all of those things right. See you next week.